The following is a hoop bowl presentation. It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here. Glad to have you along. It is a Sunday night, and what a treat we have for you. As I was able to call up my good friend Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film. He'll be our guest on today's podcast. To give you a little sneak peek, we actually talked to him during the game between the Clippers and the Wizards. Called him at halftime. I figured, you know what? This game is over. Might as well give my pal a call. Let's talk about this contest a little bit, but I wanted to talk to him a little bit more about what it's like on the floor now with Kawhi and PG together. But before we get to that conversation, I got to let you know that tonight is Sunday night. You're probably picking up this podcast on Monday morning. You know what that means? The Bruise Letter, an incredible, incredible email put together by our founder, Aaron Bruski. It's an email newsletter for the 2019-2020 season. Exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not going to show up on Twitter, not going to show up on the website, not any podcast, not on social media, only in your email. You sign it up, you sign up, it's free. Just go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter and sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Aaron Bruski, straight to your inbox every single week. This is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus, your humble host. Glad to have you with us. And boy, what a good bounce back for the Los Angeles Clippers. They needed that victory against the Washington Wizards, a team that doesn't play a whole lot of defense, as can be seen with the 150 points put up by the Clippers in a 150-125 to win. This podcast, of course, is brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. You know about them, right? They're our title sponsor. Check out their website, hawaiianisles.com, on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee or on Twitter at High Kona Coffee. So, not going to waste much of your time here. I want you to listen to this conversation. Keep in mind that it did occur during the game between the Clippers and the Wizards. It's 10.20 at night right now as I record this. Didn't want Justin to stay up super late podcasting, so I wanted to make sure that he came on and you heard from him and you heard his thoughts on Kawhi and PG. So here you go. All right, been trying to get this guy on for uh, a couple of weeks now. He's someone that you've heard on this podcast a couple of times. I believe it's now a three-time guest, Justin Wilson at LA Clippers Film. You see him on Twitter all the time, breaking down games as they're happening, and we're actually doing this during the game tonight between the Clippers and the Wizards. I texted Justin. I said, this game's over. I said, let's do this podcast now, and he happily obliged to come on. So, Justin, what's up, dude? What's going on? Three-time guest. I'm going for a record, baby. You're I'm killing it. i see how many times you're going to have me on here before the season's over you uh, might get annoyed of me or something never but never. i'm happy to be back yeah absolutely I, I bet that by the end of the season you'll be close to seven eight and maybe even ten once we get to the playoffs i think that uh we'll have you at least ten times as well I'll, I'll say it right now that's my prediction well here's the thing come playoff time i may not even be able to do pods just because of how much anxiety i'll have so you may not even want me on um, i'll be i'll be a wreck but we'll see what happens yeah that's true man oh uh, i'm looking forward to that moment I, I i don't think that i can handle a lakers clippers series i i just don't think that mentally 
just reading Twitter the last couple of weeks with the Lakers fans going crazy with their hot start despite their easy schedule. And then just the Clippers fans getting hated on left and right. Ralph posted a tweet saying they thought the Clippers were better than the Lakers and he got roasted. I, I just don't know if I can do a whole seven game series of that. I don't know if I can. Um, I don't know if I can either, but honestly, I feel like it's going to happen. The only question is whether or not it'll happen in the conference finals or before then. Yeah. But like, but like for me, it's just like every every Clipper and Laker game, um, one one team's fan base is dunking on the other if they if they lost. Like the Mavericks lost. I mean, the Mavericks beat the Lakers earlier today, and like everybody was jumping on the Lakers. Ha! You lost to a above five hundred team, and when we lost to San Antonio, ha! You lost to a below five hundred team, and it is. It's fun in a way, but it's definitely exhausting. And if it's exhausting in November, I can only imagine how exhausting it's going to be come playoff time. Exactly. But this is the world we live in. It's probably going to happen, so we got to prepare for it now. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I saw that uh, the Lakers lost to Dallas, and I was like, that's just great. I mean, now they're 3-3 three and three against teams that are 500 or better, while the, uh, the Clippers, obviously, they had their seven-game win streak end against San Antonio. Um, it was the first loss they've had with Kawhi and PG both healthy. So it's nice to see them taking care of business. Nice rebound performance against Washington. These are the types of games that you need to blow them out. There's no need to play Kawhi and PG big minutes in this game. Get them rested. You're about to go on the road for what seems like forever. So you need to get those wins when you can. Um, But I brought you on because you're someone that knows the actual game of basketball better than most that, uh, that come on this podcast. The X's and O's, the plays that are being run. And we finally have a good sample size of Kawhi and PG together and what the offense looks like for the two of them. And the last couple of games, PG has not been shooting well. Kawhi will have a bunch of games where he'll not start well, but he finds a way to finish better and do better in the second half. And those are the games where really you see Lou and Trez pick it up. And then the loss to San Antonio is just you can't have PG, Kawhi, Lou all have bad games at once. And that, I mean, that's basically what happened. Um, but looking at the offense, PG, Kawhi together, how does it look versus the team that we've seen earlier in the season? Do they look like they're comfortable with each other yet, or do we still need some more time? Um, I definitely think they need more time. It, lo- it looks pretty clunky to me. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is that since – I and I tweeted this earlier today during this game that um, – in first quarters, they've been a top three team in the league offensively since Paul George has been has been back, and that kind of and that kind of makes sense because when you come out in the first quarter, oftentimes um, your offense is is kind of coached through because you're literally it's the first quarter of a game. Um, you're coming out with your with your sets and things like that, and when they're coming out of timeouts, they look they look fantastic because they have so many options and they have so many players that, that can do things and that's just that's right in Doc Rivers' wheelhouse. So that that free that free flowing offense where you don't have to be coached is, is something that they're still working on. Um, Kawhi's three ball has been really really he's been struggling with that. Um, but yeah, I just think they need a little bit more time. You can kind of tell that it's still your turn, my turn, sort of thing with with Paul George and Kawhi. But the high points of it, you can you can clearly see it. Like 
the ending of the Boston game or the ending of the Oklahoma City game when Paul George hit the game-winning three. Um, I know Washington is the worst defense ever, but even tonight – um, they they have just so many options offensively, and then you throw Lou and Trez in there. So the high points have looked fantastic, but they still they still um they they're still a ways away in my opinion from where they want to be. Um, they came into tonight the seventh seventh in offense since PG's been back. That's gonna go up um, obviously after after tonight, and they've also been seventh in defense, which has kind of been carrying them, and that's been a blessing. So. Yeah, I just think they need a little bit more time, more more of a little bit of sample size. I think this upcoming road trip is going to give us a more a more in depth look at how good they can be offensively. Um, I think San, the San Antonio game aside, they're heading in the right direction though. And for all Clipper fans, in my opinion, you should feel real comfortable in that. They 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 really are heading in the right direction. And you know, although Paul and Kawhi do play your turn, my turn a little bit too much for my liking at this moment. They're, they seem to be ironing that out. I think that's a great point, Justin, the the your turn, my turn thing. Because when you have a couple of stars, let's say the play is designed for Kawhi on the right side. The question is, where's PG going to be? Is he going to be there as a shooter just in case Kawhi needs to kick out? Is he going to be clearing space on the left side just in case they decide to switch the ball? Or is he going to say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to sit back, and then Kawhi is going to go to work? Because we see a lot of times now where Kawhi gets the ball in the block, and he's going to back down. He's going to go straight up. If he backs down, he decides he doesn't like what he sees. He'll back up a little bit, and then he'll just go straight at you and shoot, whether it's a 15-foot jumper or whatnot. It, that's the hardest thing to really figure out, I feel like, in offense, is who's going to have – who? when's it going to be each of their guys' turn? When are they going to be able to fit together where that's not even a thing, where it's my turn, your turn? Because they fit different molds in the offense. I think it's undisputable that PG's a better three-point shooter than Kawhi. I mean, PG just shoots threes better than Kawhi, while Kawhi is probably a little bit better in the mid-range and then in the post. And then you look at Kawhi, and he does so many different things. And we've seen this year, he's been an incredible distributor. His assist numbers have gone down a ton, I think, since PG's been back. It's just something I've been noticing is that it just doesn't seem like he's racking up those assists like he did when PG was out. So why is that, the assist thing? And then also for you, what do you think is the best role for them in this offense? Or is it just finding a way where the two of them can get the ball and they both can do the same thing? Well, to your point, they do occupy two totally different parts of the offense. One thing I've noticed that Doc Rivers is doing with Paul George is that he's using him a lot like Landry Shaman and a lot like J.J. Redick. He's really he, he's got him coming off of pin downs. He's got, a, got him coming off of like curls and things like that. And he's using his, all his shooting and leveraging that with, with off-ball movement. And that's in stark contrast to how he's using Kawhi, whereas Kawhi oftentimes is catching it mid-post, low-post, maybe a pick-and-roll here and there, which um, which that's where he was getting the majority of his assists from. But with Paul George there, you're, you're diversifying your, 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 your offensive set, so you're running a lot more stuff where – Instead of Kawhi and Shan, oh, excuse me, instead of Kawhi and Zoo pick and rolls, you're running maybe a a a pin down floppy set for Paul George, and he's going to come off and he's shooting a mid range or shooting a three ball. 
And so those things kind of affect um, Kawhi's assist. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think come playoff time, you're going to see the true benefits of having a 6'10 wing like Paul George coming off a screen, shooting threes like he's J.J. Redick, who can also catch that ball off of that screen and do some things creatively with the ball. So I think that you're, that's one of the things that they are still trying to figure out okay, how do they fit together? And I think what you're starting to see more of as far as how that's going to look is that Paul George is going to be the guy that's doing a lot of the off-ball movement, whereas Kawhi is going to be more of the guy that's doing um, the off the, uh, the mid-range, mid-post isolation stuff. Do you think that's to avoid the wear and tear on Kawhi during offensive possessions? Is that part of it? Um, in a way, yes, but also that's more so just who he is as a basketball player. Kawhi isn't necessarily the guy that likes to move without the ball and come off of screens. I mean, he can do it, but you saw it even in Toronto and when he was featured a lot in San Antonio, he's a big isolation, dribble, 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 pound the ball, slow pace, get to his spot and rise and shoot or if they draw if they send to he'll find the open guy that's that's honestly that's the way that he plays and you kind of see doc acquiescing to that and then trying to fit how Kawhi plays in with paul george yeah i guess that makes sense because you you want to have like you said the jj plays the landry plays there's more movement off the ball whereas Kawhi, he's gotten the ball in the block and he just goes to work i mean he's so damn good just one-on-one that he can really take anybody and this Clippers offense, I think today is a good indication where you have four guys that are in double figures at the half. Um, right now, they're in the middle of the third quarter as we're recording this. And, I mean, Trez had a double-double for the first half, in the first half, I think for the first time in his career. They they put up, I think, 80 points um, in the first half or something like that. It was 82, I believe, um, and yep. which is, I think, the second most they've ever had for a half. Um, so clearly the offense is working. I mean, the Wizards are dreadful defensively. There, there's no doubt about that. The Wizards are dreadful defensively. But you need to have it where you have just more than two guys contributing. And when you have Lou and Trez, that's helpful. But some games you're going to have maybe Jermichael Green or you're going to have Pat Bev go for 10 or more points or Harkless or Zoo gain the offensive rebounds. You need the points to come from somewhere else. You can't just rely on those two. And if you do the my turn, your turn type thing, then you really get into trouble if one of those guys is missing then the offense kind of goes dry. And uh, when you look at the San Antonio game, what stood out to you in terms of why the offense just wasn't clicking? Um, It looked like an effort thing. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it looked like one of those first game day, day after Thanksgiving games. It felt like everybody was just running in quicksand. And San Antonio's size looked to be throwing, throwing some of our guys off. And when you put those two things in combination, it kind of just it looked it looked bad. They were in the game until that third quarter. The third quarter kind of did them in. Um, but when I re I've actually rewatched that San Antonio game, and there was just so little that I could take away. I just don't think that um, you're ever going to see another Clipper game where Paul George, Lou Williams, and Kawhi all are that dreadful offensively. Um, the the biggest thing that I saw as far as the offense in that game was just that the movement wasn't wasn't crisp. It wasn't there, and it wasn't generating any clean looks. 
and against the Spurs' size, especially up front, you kind of um, you kind of would like that. But I think that's something that if we, if and when we do see the San Antonio Spurs again down the road, we'll be able to fix. Um, so, yeah, you know, what did what did you see? No, I mean, I honestly didn't get a chance to watch much of that game. And uh, w- with this Clippers team, the the thing that's definitely standing out for me is it's very interesting to see how Kawhi and PG work and when the two are getting involved offensively. We've seen some games where Kawhi will start one of five from the field, and then you just – part of me wants to be like, all right, you, you're – it's not your half. Like, let PG have the ball. We've seen this work without Kawhi on the floor. Let those – let him just go to work and figure it out, and, and then the offense will come as we go. And what's so fascinating to me, and it's such a weird thing to look at, and the number doesn't mean anything – but in the last seven games, do you know how many of those Paul George led the team in scoring? Uh, I do not. Zero. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you look at since he had 37 against Atlanta, Trez led against Oklahoma City, then Lou, then Lou, then Trez, then Kawhi, then Trez, then Kawhi. So it, wow. it's interesting to me in terms of Kawhi when he was hurt. George was obviously tremendous. I mean, he was taking control of that offense and he was scoring at will whenever he wanted. But despite that, I mean, it really has seemed like PG's been great offensively. And there was some really stupid takes on Twitter that PG's a better player than Kawhi and the PG's more important than Kawhi. <laughs> it's like, dude, just because Kawhi's missing games, that doesn't mean that PG's better than Kawhi. I understand PG almost won MVP. He was third, got third place last year. But let's hold up. Kawhi's won a couple titles here. And for PG, he actually only led the team in scoring in two games. And that was against New Orleans and Atlanta when he had 33 and 37. So he's going to lead the team most likely in scoring tonight, I would assume. Um, this game's getting way closer than I expected, by the way. Um, it is. It is. It's just sloppiness. It's a 13-point game, though. Sloppiness, I'm assuming? Um, yeah, Bertans has kind of hit his jumper here and there. Um, it's really the Clippers are starting to get a little bit lackadaisical offensively, and the Wizards are a really good offensive team, man. And if you can – if you don't – if you don't – if you take your foot off the gas against this team, you can, you can be in a gunfight because, I mean, they play really fast, and they are really good offensively. Yeah, that's a problem. That's not great. Especially when I tried to I tried to get ahead of this. I'm like, all right, let's go. I don't want to wait. I don't want to make anybody wait till after 10 o'clock. People will need to go to sleep. People have work the next day. I'm like, let's just – I need to go to work. You need to go to work. We all have jobs. And as much as we love the Clippers and I'm podcasting about the Clippers, you're tweeting about the Clippers and you're going back and watching film, we all have to make some money here and there. So, like, we're doing other things. <laughs> And, you know, the Clippers are not helping out in this game because, dude, th- this game's important. You need to get this win. I, I wasn't kidding when I said you need to get Kawhi and PG some rest because this road trip. So Tuesday, it's against Portland coming up. Then it's at Milwaukee, at Washington, at Indiana, Toronto, at Minnesota, and at Chicago. So you're playing one, two, three, four, five, six straight games on the road. And Milwaukee will be a tough one. Indiana, Toronto. Minnesota may, um, Chicago and Washington should be gimmies, but Chicago is the second night of a back-to-back and it's the last game of that road trip. So who knows? Um, 
yeah, this road trip's important. It, it really is. And I know you don't want to take too much from a December road trip, but how much are you looking forward to seeing what this team does? Because you've got two back-to-backs in this road trip too, by the way. You have Sunday and Monday, where I'm assuming they're going to rest Kawhi on that Sunday, but who knows, um, at Washington. And then you have the Minnesota-Chicago back-to-back. Um, for me, this road trip, as you said, is important, but I think it's vital. It's vital. We, we haven't been the, we haven't been the best team in the league by at all, as far as like our, 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 our road performance. So, you know, getting away from Staples for that long could be really good for this team. They could find themselves, they could start gelling and, you know, I'm I'm anticipating seeing how we perform in those environments. There's some really good teams that we're going to play. I can't wait to see how we look in Milwaukee. Um, I think we've played the most home games in the league up until this point. So it's, it'll be good to see how how good they are on the road. Especially, it'll be an early test for us. Um, for me, for me, I I don't know how much I can take from a win-loss perspective, but the most important thing is to see how they're actually playing. And if the, if this team with this roster, if they're playing up to their capabilities, the wins will take care of themselves. I was going to so, ask mean, I'm, you that. I can't, yeah, go I ahead. can't wait to see how they look on the road. Yeah, I was going to ask you uh, whether you thought that a 4-2 and two road trip would be successful. Do you care about the record? Um, I mean, four and two seems reasonable to me. I think if you lose at Milwaukee and you lose at Toronto, that wouldn't be great because um, you're losing to two very good teams. Uh, but I think at the minimum, I think you want to go four and two on this trip, right? That's that was when you were reading that off. I was kind of say loss win win. Yeah, four and two yeah. ended up where I was at. I think I think anything other than four and two would be a bit disappointing. Yeah, and then you come home and you face Phoenix which is always the toughest the first game after a long road trip. So you face a good Phoenix team, you face Houston, and then you're at San Antonio, at OKC, and then you play against the Lakers on Christmas Day. So before you know it, it's Christmas already, and you'd like to get some momentum with these two guys together. And pretty much everybody is healthy except for Magruder and now Shaman as well, so the two of them um, are hurt. And you have the majority of everybody. You still need a couple guys. It would be nice to get those two back. But I think we're going to see what this team is made of on this six-game road trip. What's the biggest thing you want to see from these guys, apart from just the fact of see how they play together? Um, I'm looking at offensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the things that um, I, I it, so their their splits, their home and road splits aren't the, aren't the greatest. So for me, I, I'm looking at um, I'm trying to I'm trying to look it up now and seeing how they how they how they rank in the league as far as home and road, but in in general I want to see as good as they are on offense at home I want to see that transfer over to the road, um, and see if kind of like what you alluded to just building some momentum and building some sort of real chemistry between Paul and Kawhi. Um, Doc said before this game that they haven't even practiced together. And a lot of this is just off of pure talent. And so that's kind of where you see the clunkiness, the your turn, my turn sort of thing with those two. So this road trip will give themselves a real chance to like iron out some things. And hopefully we can start to get some real chemistry and some real sort of, you know, synergy with 
with our with our guys. Yeah, you mentioned the home road um, and how the team has been great at home. They're eleven and one at home going into this Wizards game. I'm going to assume that they end up closing this out to go twelve and one, but that means that they are three and five on the road. So they have not been good away from Staples and a really tough six game road trip coming up against some pretty good teams. Um, final thoughts before we uh, we let you go and watch this fourth quarter. Anybody else that's really popping off the screen for you the last couple of games that's that's standing out? Is it Zoo? Is it Harkless in the starting lineup now? Um, is it Beverly? I mean, he had that great game against, I believe it was Houston. Um, actually, it was Boston that he had that unbelievable game. I mean, is any, anybody standing out for you right now apart from the usual suspects? Uh, you kind of you kind of mentioned the the two of them, Zoo and Beverly, but really Patrick Beverly. I kind of I tweeted this out earlier in the middle of this Washington game, which was that I think Patrick Beverly is shooting over forty on threes over his last eight nine games, yeah. and it seems like his shot is really coming along, and he's been one of the beneficiaries of playing off of PG and and Kawhi. And I'm really happy that even when he was damn cold to start the year, that he didn't shy away from shooting. And it's really helping the Clippers start well. Um, since Paul George has been back, they've been one of the best offenses in the league to start games. And that's in large part due to the uptick in Patrick Beverly's shooting. And hopefully it could stabilize to where it was um, last year. But that's been one of my biggest takeaways. Um, when he shoots well, the Clippers honestly look like a totally different team because he's going to be out there. We know we know what he brings to the table defensively, but him being able to take and make threes, um, floaters, and things like that just adds another vital element to, to the offense. So he's been my guy that I've like, okay, he's, he's here. He's here. He's officially here to start the season. So – um, yeah, I mean that's been that's been my big takeaway, and Zoo's been solid all year. Um, I wish Doc Rivers would play him more, mm-hmm. honestly, but yeah. uh, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, Pat and Zoo have been um, they've been the big guys that have jumped off the page for me. What about you? Yeah, I think Zoo's been great. Um, it's weird, by the way, that he's he's got the worst plus minus in this game so far. Um, it's he's a plus one, but he's just he's gotten the ball in the post. And it seems like he's less comfortable with PG than he was with Kawhi. Um, that is, that is, that is a good takeaway. That yeah. is a good observation for sure. It does seem like he's not the same player that he was when he, when PG was off the floor. Um, so it's going to take some getting used to with the three of them on the floor together, Kawhi, PG and zoo only playing 14 minutes in the first three quarters. I don't think is ideal. Um, I really hope that doc plays him um, in the fourth quarter, but it's very possible that he rides Trez. I mean, you never know. Um, I think now, I mean, as we're recording this, Jermichael Green is out for the rest of the game with a tailbone contusion. So we'll see how long he's actually out for. But I think with no Jermichael Green, I think you get Zoo a couple more minutes. And he's so good at just getting his offensive rebounds and he gets those putbacks and he just takes care of business. Um, going back to your Pat Beverly thing, you're when you're wide open, you're going to make threes eventually. I mean, you're an NBA player. When you're that wide open, you're going to make shots. But one more point that you've brought up continuously over the last couple of weeks and you're spot on is there's so many stupid fouls he's committing. And when you're a guy, oh, Pat Beverly, that needs to be relied on for your defense, you can't be giving away fouls. And there's a lot of scenarios where he's giving them away when you'd rather have them used in different situations. Yeah. I mean, 
yeah, that, that's been something that has irked me all year with him. Um, he's such a talented defender that oftentimes he really doesn't need to just be reached. And he, he reaches, he's, over, he's overly animated unnecessarily, and it really puts the defense at a disadvantage for the Clippers. And not only does it get us in a penalty faster, it puts him in foul trouble, it lessens our depth. It's just really un- – and it, they're just they, – they are so easily avoidable, and they're, they're just so dumb – and, you know, he's he's 6'1", but he has incredibly long arms. He's tenacious. The defender will often give him the ball. They'll give the ball to him sometimes. Like, they'll give him the ball. They'll turn it over. Mm-hmm. He, they, we do not need Paul – we do not need for Patrick Beverly to just overextend and cause – and put us closer in the penalty. So, yeah, that, that was something that I tweeted about. I, I ran it about a little bit on that. It's very annoying to see when he does it. Um, but he's but he has so, he's so talented on that end that he doesn't need to do that. So hopefully that's something that can iron itself out as the season progresses, or else I'm gonna lose hours. I'm gonna lose like years off of my life watching him play defense if that continues. Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you too. Oh man. All right, but let people know where they can follow you. It's at LA Clippers Film on Twitter. I know you've got an Instagram as well. What else you got to plug? Uh, working on some other things right now at LA Clippers film on Twitter at Justin Wilson underscore on Instagram. Follow me, interact with me, Clipper nation. Cool. Thanks for joining us, Justin. Much appreciated. No, thank you. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that insight into the Clippers offensively and defensively, mostly offensively with Kawhi and PG and what it's going to look like for them so far. I've enjoyed seeing the two of them on the floor. It's very interesting to me that they really do have a my turn, your turn type of thing. You even saw that today where Kawhi kind of let PG have his moment in the first half. And then it seemed like Kawhi kind of took over in the third quarter and got his points when he was really needed. Actually, the fourth quarter. I mean, he, he wrapped up, Kawhi did, with a pretty impressive line. 34 points, 14 of 21 from the field. And then PG, 10 of 21 from the field, 31 points for him. So once again, by the way, PG is not a leading scorer. The Los Angeles Clippers, Trez and Lou both had more than 20 as well as the Clippers knocked off the Wizards. We talked about the schedule coming up with Justin, but one more time against Portland on Tuesday. Then it's at Milwaukee Friday, at Washington Sunday. One more game to follow in a back-to-back at Indiana Monday, at Toronto Wednesday. At Minnesota on Friday, another back-to-back with Saturday being a game at Chicago to wrap up the six-game road trip. I'd like to see the Clippers go 4-2 and two ideally. Milwaukee's definitely going to be the toughest game along with Toronto. Both of those games against very good teams and teams that you could see the Clippers face in the NBA Finals if the Clippers make it that far. Appreciate you joining us. And listening to this podcast, as always, if you really do enjoy the podcast, and I hope you do, first of all, let me know if there's anything I can do to make this even better for you on Twitter, at BDMarcus is the Twitter handle, at HoopBallClips is the handle for this podcast. Also, iTunes, huge for us. Give us a five-star review, or give us a five-star rating and review the podcast as well. It does help out a lot. So, We'll talk to you next time. Looking to get another podcast out between the two games. 
at the start of the week. So versus Portland on Tuesday and then at at Milwaukee, pardon me, on Friday. So hoping to get a podcast to you on Wednesday or Thursday before that road trip begins. And hoping to get you a very special guest, someone that's been on this podcast before and I think everyone enjoyed. So hoping to get this individual on once again. So until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long. We'll talk to you next time on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.